What's up, everybody? Welcome into this week's episode of From Here It's Potable. <sighs> yeah, that's that's pretty much the description. Uh, that sigh. I wish I could uh, spell it out, and that's what I would title the podcast, but that might be difficult. Uh, but anyway, Hunter and I are uh, going to look at the TCU game, what went wrong, and then also try to look at the season going forward and what we can learn uh, in the next couple games and what that'll mean for the program as a whole. So here we go. Hey, before we get to the podcast, I just want to do make sure I shout out our sponsor, Prime Residential Mortgage Incorporated. They're the Lending with Passion division of Primary Residential Mortgage Inc. Whether you're buying, refinancing, or taking cash out of your home, PRMI can help. Rates are still near all-time lows, and our mortgage experts can help find the best mortgage solution for you. They can help you with purchasing your dream home, an investment property, a vacation home, whatever you need, they can help you with. They have locations all over the state of Texas, but they complete the entire process online, and it's easy, and, and they just love working with fellow Red Raiders. They can be reached at Raider at primeres.com, through the website at www.lendingwithpassion.com, or by phone at 214-736-9466. So get in touch with them for, for any of your needs for anything like that. All right. Well, here to commiserate with me as usual is Hunter Davidson. How you doing? I'm doing okay, considering the uh, the weekend. Couldn't it? Wouldn't it be nice? Like, you know, we've been doing these for like two seasons now. <laughs> it would be so cool to like come in here regularly talk about how great the game was <laughs> we have not yeah. been able to really do that consistently not consistently you know i guess we had um last week was really the most optimistic i can remember being on here about, yes about yeah football. yeah i think just, that's right yeah I, can we just uh, you know i hear it so much that all I care about, just from people, it didn't, it, not even just tech fans, but like wins and losses is the only thing that matters. Your record is the only thing that matters. But that is, is that really true? Because it's, it's not true in this case. We're not, it's not true. Like we're four and two, and we're very likely to be five and two. And it, it doesn't matter if we beat Kansas 55 to nothing. People are not going to be happy with the state of the program. And we'll be five and two. And, and, if you turn it around and maybe we're, maybe we're three and three with a 10 point loss to UT and a losing on a last second field goal to TCU and losing by 10, I guess, to West Virginia on the road, people wouldn't be happy because we'd be three and three. Yeah. So what if, does not, that doesn't, I, I just, it's, it's a farce that all people care about is wins and losses. No, if you, if you have a bad record, it's all they care about. Yeah. But if you have a good record and good, I guess is relative, but if you have a record that is four and two, I mean, that is something that a lot of people have signed up for. It still needs to look right. What if we were five and two and our losses were Houston and West Virginia? People would still be mad. Yeah. Cause, cause the thing is, if it's, if you have close losses, if we lose in, a, in close games to Texas and TCU, then 
you can point to something that happened in the game where it's like, well, if we wouldn't, you know, if so-and-so wouldn't have done that, yeah, made that yeah. decision, then we'd have won and we'd, we'd be six and oh, you know, he's losing us games. Yeah. But I, but with all that said, I mean, <laughs> I I'm still in shock at how I feel about the team with a four right now with a record that I would have signed up for every day of the week this summer. Yeah. And th- that's the weirdest part is as bad as we, I mean, this team has matched its win total already the past two seasons. And usually that would look like progress, like you said. But in this case, it's almost like each game is is judged on its own merit and not the season as a whole. Because after Houston, you know, it was slow start, but they got it figured out. You know, SFA was world was ending, you know, um, FIU, who cares? It's FIU. The, you know, we still had a slow start. Yeah. I, I don't, I'm not going to go through every game, but it's just like each, instead of being judged as a four and two record, like you said, you would take at the beginning of the season, it's judged like after Texas, it was time to burn it down after West Virginia. Maybe we've got things figured out next week, burn it down. You know, like it's, it's just totally, it's just a, a, a roller coaster, but it's, Usually those roller coasters aren't, I don't feel are justified, but in this case I, I do, which makes it even weirder. I tend to agree. I mean, um, it's, it's so bizarre. I can't, yeah, I cannot wrap my head around the last, uh, really. Yeah. The, the season that's, that's occurred that, you know, you just tell me we'd be four and two that our backup quarterback would play 50% of our snaps that we would play at West Virginia without Ezekama, without our leading rusher, without our starting center, without multiple starters on the defense, um, and that we would be still four and two throughout it. That we that we'd be down. I don't know what was it to U of H fourteen nothing twenty one seven yeah, um, and that we could still figure out a way to be four and two. That um, that I could be upset with that. And so here I we guess, are. So why? I guess that's the thing. Like so, we both, yeah. we both have our theories, but like, what, what do you think? Like, why is that the case? So for, for me, it would be, and we, and I've made a, a post on Red Raider sports about this, but just, I have seen a lot of bad defense attack uh, over yes. the last however many years. Um, but it has been, it's been fairly consistent when it's, when it's bad, you know, we allow 400 yards rushing to Arkansas and then we allow 250 to UTEP and we allow Kansas to have 200 yards rushing. And we, yeah. But with this, with this defense, that's, that has not been the case. I mean, we've yeah. completely shut down teams who their whole game plan was to run the ball on us, U of H and West Virginia, and they couldn't do it. Yeah. I mean, especially running back handoff traditional runs uh, like, you know, U of H, most of their rushing yards were scrambles and the Clayton tune uh, that he won that he popped off. And then, you know, even West Virginia, um, a lot of their most successful runs were with that quarterback on that one drive. Yeah. <clears throat> and, but so that, that part to me is just, I've never seen that before. I've never seen us be not, not just competent <laughs> on defense, but like above competent, you know, yeah. playing some of the best defense that I've seen, uh, you know, at least as good as the best defense I've seen. And I mean, we years. were, we were so confident. We went after that guy on Twitter. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> because we you know, we to, saw, there was evidence that wasn't just fandom. Yeah. Like there was evidence I, that this defense was right. good, and I, then they showed up in Austin. 
Yeah, I, I don't th- I'd never seen it. Yeah, I didn't think our range, the, the range of outcomes for our defense would be as extreme as it's been. And and I don't know, I'm not smart enough, you know, to, to figure out why that is, but just like process of elimination, you would think, yeah, you know, when our defense has been bad, it's just because our players weren't good, good enough. You know, like if, if your players aren't good, it doesn't matter really what you do. Yeah. You're going to get ran on when you're playing um, a fullback at linebacker. Like that's the go-to example. Exactly. Yeah. You, yeah, exactly. Um, you're talking about Luke Stice. Yeah. Uh, in 2016. Uh, but yeah. So for this one, you've got clearly the guys that are capable. And, and, and I do think <clears throat> having rewatched some of those TCU runs and seeing like, I think it was Cam White, not Cam Watts, but it was one of those guys yeah. getting like sucked up and like into the wash on on the seventy yard run and Dadrian Taylor um, making you know that we do have some backups you know playing and probably responsible for some of these things, but just for the most part, um, the guys are there in my opinion on defense, uh, and yet it's literally been as bad as it's ever been for for two games this year. Yeah. I mean, you had the stat in that post. It's not expected yards, um, available yards. Like TC, like I've never seen a team rush for every single available yard like that. And you're more familiar with that than I am. But that seems ridiculous. Like, or does that happen regularly? Well, no. I mean, not not even close. It's it's for tech <laughs> in the past. It's been close. Yeah. But not. It's never really. I couldn't find one. I mean, when it happened against UT, I went. You're, and you're, what you're talking about is um, in the first half of the UT game, every single yard that UT could have gained, they gained. Yeah. And in the first half of the TCU game, excluding the possession they kneeled out, which doesn't count. Uh, they gained every single yard they could have gained. They actually gained a little bit more because they had a false start on the first play of the game. Yes, so gained, yeah. Uh, and so I tr- you know, tried to find going thinking back, you know, like the Oklahoma State 66 to 6, so the Arkansas game where they ran for a bazillion yards. Like yeah, it's never I couldn't find a half where the team did that to us. And it's happened twice this year. I just, I just yeah, you said it like when you first started talking, it was just the ra- I, I think the range of this defense is what's I don't even know the word mind numbing. Like it just doesn't make sense. Like, but see, the thing is I say it doesn't make sense. It does make sense because I did my post about, you know, looking at the film of the defense, you watch that and you watch how we're aligned and it, and it does make sense what TCU did. Like we were outnumbered in the box. We weren't gap sound. Like our defensive line was rushing up field to the point where they were creating gaps and allowing unoccupied offensive linemen free reign at our linebackers and safeties. And then our linebackers and safeties were basically having to make the decision. Do I try to take on this block and pass it off to the next guy? Or do I try to make the play? And they were, they were kind of trying to go around the blockers to make the play, which was opening up bigger holes. (laughs) You know, like it was just, you look at that stuff and it's, as I say, it's ridiculous and it's crazy and it's, it's unexplainable. And then you watch the film and it's like, well, it's, it's not actually unexplainable because this does like our scheme isn't working, but then why did it work against West Virginia or was it different? And then if it was, if it did work against West Virginia, why did we change it? You know, like (laughs) there's just, there's just so many questions and it's infuriating. 
and the one thing I noticed, because um, I have gone back and tried and looked, counted numbers in the box and looked at U of H and West Virginia in the Texas game and the TCU game. Um, the Texas game was kind of different uh, because they then the TCU and just in, in terms of what I'm about to say, but you know, West Virginia, when we, we did have like six, seven guys in the box and we were, you know, looked to me to be adequate numbers, yeah. but, but what was different is they were, they oftentimes had different personnel. They would have tight ends, sometimes multiple tight ends yeah. and, and sometimes two running backs, whereas TCU was spreading us out yeah. and, and we're in two, you know, like uh, their personnel was two, two wide four wide receivers and one running yeah. back. Yeah. And it was almost like that. I don't know if that kind of caught, <clears throat> caught us off guard, you know, that we weren't really prepared like for them yeah. to be, downhill running out of these spread looks uh, and we weren't really prepared to have a defense to that would be to stacking the box against a team with four wide receivers on the field which is uh, interesting like that's like 2018 or that's like 2016 stuff you know like that's what Baylor made a living doing we're going to spread you out just to run it down your throat like that's what they did under Browns that's why they were so effective and so it's that's a good – I mean, because when we when TCU would bring in a tight end or an H-back, those were the times when we yeah. did have adequate numbers. Yeah, and it, and it, there were like a couple negative yardage plays, and that was when 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 those occurred. Yeah. Um, uh, but it it's it's strange. I, I, you know, I've watched it, and I'm not – you know, I see people saying like, well, we just don't have the bodies on the defensive line. You know, we're I, we weren't – I didn't see us getting blown up. No, we were taking our we were taking ourselves out of plays. Right. That's that's what I was seeing. Because the thing is, is I saw a couple of people post, you know, we weren't winning our one on one matchups. We weren't demanding double teams, which were true. I mean, that's true, but it's only true because you had Tyree Wilson rushing the passer on an obvious run play, you know, and you had Jalen Hutchings and Tony Bradford doing a a twist stunt on first and ten away from the run. Yeah. It, it, they would do they would, that was i know what you're talking about yes they, they ran away from it every time we did that yeah and so it's it's you know i mentioned it when when i did the offensive breakdown of the last drive against west virginia one reason we were so successful running the ball is because their defensive line was doing the same thing they were they were they were playing as if we were in a two-minute drill trying to score to win not a four minute drill trying to run out the clock. And it's almost like, that's what we were doing. That's what the tech defense was doing this week, the whole game. And it, it just put everybody in a bind. It just, yeah. I mean, you, we said it all week. Like we know TCU is going to run the football. They have to, to win. So uh, Keith Patterson's job is to force Max Duggan to play quarterback. And like, we didn't even get close to doing that. He, there was never a time when he needed to. I mean, he threw 10 passes. Yeah, completed eight of them. Yeah. I mean, what do you, big picture wise, you look at the Texas performance, we're almost, I mean, I will say at least with TCU, it looked like the guys were fighting. They were trying. Like I, the Texas game was, it just kind of looked like we kind of just quit. And I don't really blame them. But you take those two performances, like, what does that mean big picture? Like, for the program, for Matt Wells, like, talking big stuff here. Like, what do those two performances say? I don't know what they say. I think what they mean is, like, 
I think before the season, there were a lot of six and six records. And I think before the season, it was the case. And I think it is now that six and six has been our most likely outcome. Yeah. Um, I think a vast majority of those outcomes before the season would have resulted in progress being shown, um, it, it kind of appearing that way on the field, but also it being like justified in that six and six record. Yeah. And, um, and I don't know what progress means necessarily, but I think it, I think a reasonable person could have looked at it and said, yes, I, I'm seeing progress. But now at four and two and with six and six, still our most likely outcome with those two performances uh, and given just what, what looks ahead and how difficult it's going to be to win uh, more than one of our last four games. It's to me, I don't, it's very unlikely that six and six looks like progress. So that to me, that's kind of a big, big picture result of those two outcomes. It's, it's made six and six now a much more difficult sell to anyone to, to think that progress was being shown. Yeah. Because there was one thing and we talked about it a lot going into the season is, you know, for for all the talk of Matt Wells and his lack of success, the one thing you could say is, like, Tech is in every game. Like, they had a chance to win almost every game, except for when we played OU. So that's what almost makes those two performances even stranger. Like, worse Tech teams have competed with better TCU and Texas teams. Like, it's just, I, I would say last year's team was worse and yet should have beat them. But I guess that that is probably a worse Texas team as well. But it's just such a weird – I guess it's like you said. It just shows the lack of progress ultimately. When the one thing I felt like a Matt Wells team could hang their hat on was like they were going to be in the game at the very least. I mean, we lost a lot of those games, but we were at least there. And now it's – I don't even know. Like we could – it would not shock me to show up against Kansas and to struggle to make it, maybe it looks like the SFA game where, you know, it's close. It's coming. It's a toss up in the fourth quarter, but it also wouldn't shock me to, if, if tech covered, you know, like, and I think that's, that's almost worse than when, you know, when Cliff was the head coach and you at least knew, you know, what was going to happen. You knew you were going to give up 50, but you might score 55, you know, like you knew that was the case. Yeah. I agree. <clears throat> it's, um, you know, this can, I don't know how much we want to talk about Kansas yet or if any, uh, but this Kansas two years ago was not terrible. Not that bad. <laughs> they almost, they were, they'd scored like 50 points in Austin the week yeah. before, you know, we they were kind of like, caught lightning in the bottle with that coordinator who just yeah. started chucking it deep and it was working. <laughs> yeah. And we were just three and a half point um, favorites and compared to now, but you know, what's, I've gone back and looked now, and this is what is um, difficult for this, I think, tenure of of Wells is, you know, I think you hired him. People talk about, like, oh, we hired him, and all he brought was G5 staff with him. Like, I know that was a draw to hiring him. Oh, yeah, for sure. You compare him to to Cliff, who had to kind of assemble a staff. Like, yeah, I think we really were – um, drawn to the fact that he has a staff in place. There's yeah. going to be like continuity from where he was and here. We're not going to be worrying about any of those finding guys, hiring someone and, you know, ha- hiring someone who's got a staff and has a, pr- a system in place and, and letting that play out and, and 
banking reps under these under these system and under these coordinators. And you know, here we are in year three, and we have a different offensive coordinator, and we have our defense is different than it was in year one. If you go back and watch, like Oklahoma State uh, that we played in 2019, our defense played incredible. Uh, yeah. We played Arizona there. They weren't that good, but they were okay in the early part of the season. I think they had some injuries, and they had a quarterback who was dynamic. Defense played lights out. We played at Baylor, who was a BCS team, and played defense played great. When you and when you watch, we were super super aggressive defensively. Yeah, there yeah. were different fronts. We played four down linemen at times. Yes. We had and having rewatched some of those, we were blowing up plays. We also had a guy named Broderick Washington, but that's um, he was and Jordan plays. Brooks. Yeah, um, but the problem with that defense is, is over time you get banged up and you play Big Twelve teams. We were getting torched, you know. Yeah, and and. Kansas had several 70 yard passes um, yep. and against us. But so then the next year, you know, we bring in Derek Jones and we, our defense changes a lot it, and we kind of were keeping things in front. And now we were getting ran on a little bit more, um, you know, Oklahoma state and uh, some of these other teams, the results were about the same, you know, yep. between 2019 and 2020 for our defense, it was about the same. It's just, it occurred in different ways. And, and now in the third year, we're doing some of the same things as in the first and the second, but it is different. Yeah. And so <clears throat> I guess what I'm saying is year three, <clears throat> we have an offense and a defense that is different than what it was in year one. Yeah. And I don't think that that was the plan. Yeah. No, you, you put it well in when we were just texting earlier today, it's like, what does it say about the direction of a program when you seem to be mashing buttons, you know, trying to figure out something that works like that's probably not what Kirby Hoka and Matt Wells thought about when they had their, you know, introductory press conference, they were that they thought, well, in year three, you know, we'll, we'll smash the, the Sunny Cumbie button and we'll smash the let's try to run Rocky long and Iowa state's defense of Frankenstein version of that. And let's, you know, let's see how it works. Like, I don't think that was the plan. And I may be, I mean, I'm speaking for you a little bit here. So correct me if I'm, I'm wrong, but that I think you're right on on that. If, if I'm interpreting it correctly is like, why are we still trying to, to mash the right buttons instead of just doing what we do? Yeah. And, it, and it's hard to fault because if you, them for doing that at the same time, because if you're, you know, if you're in an airplane and it's going down, you know, press buttons, right. But you know, like if you but don't, why is the airplane going down? If you don't think something's working, you don't want to just, keep doing something but it, it, it just says something you know yeah um, about where we are um but um well because i you know you look at we we often can we often say like if matt campbell or if a coach can can turn iowa state into what iowa state is the right guy could do even more at tech and something you don't see Matt Campbell Campbell doing is like you say, mashing buttons to try to figure out what works. I mean, I guess he's done a little bit of that this year. I should say, you know, he benched Purdy a little bit, but by and large, for the most part, he has his system. They, they, they do what they do and you know, they've been successful. You can almost, I mean, honestly, you could say that for Chris Kleiman at Kansas state too. Like he's not mashing buttons. Like he's doing exactly what he did at North Dakota state. Like, I mean, that is the program that he's running. I mean, how many guys did they have transferred this offseason? We talked about it. It was like 15. Yeah. And yet, like, 
that didn't, that doesn't matter. They're, they're better this year than they were last year, you know? So it's, it's, it just doesn't seem like the program is going in the direction that it needs to be going. If you seem to be just kind of, well, let's try it. You know, like I don't want that to be Texas tech football. Well, let's try it, you know? Um, but like you said, maybe it's out of necessity, but even then whose fault is that? And yet here we are at four and two with uh, <laughs> a very, very winnable game to go five and two. Right. And kind of another opportunity because I get it. It's hard to imagine winning another game, but it's, you know, you, if, for as easily as you can point to the the two games where we just, we lost the game before the, the ball was kicked, we yeah. lost to Texas and TCU. I mean, yeah. but you, there's these other games that you can point to, to say, uh, well, maybe that version shows up. I mean, it, maybe this other team can't, for whatever reason, replicate what Texas and TCU did. Um, because I know people may not want to hear this, but there is a very, very good chance that we win seven games. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. yeah. You know, the, the, the old cliche is, you know, college football is a week-to-week sport. And we saw that, you know, this week we with – I mean, everybody was – I mean, A&M was the joke of the internet last week. They had that yell leader video everyone was making fun of. They were playing Alabama, all that crap. And then they go out and play – you know, we talk about ranges. They played to the top of their range. You know, who knows where Alabama played on their range. But A&M at least played at, to the top of that range and it won. You know, and I, I don't think I've seen a Matt Wells team do that. Like, I don't think that's necessarily – like, I don't think Tech – is in that it's a week to week sport deal because I don't think we've ever played above our heads in a way that we stole a game. Like, I mean, the only example I can think of is Oklahoma state his first year, but I don't think, I mean, they get, they threw us the ball like five times, you know, <laughs> and we still almost gave it away in the end. So I, I don't know. I think that's my most, like, I don't feel like we're ever, and you can correct me if I'm wrong. This is probably the fan coming out of me, but I just, I don't, I could never foresee, you know, Matt Wells pulling a Jimbo Fisher and like basically like scheming a team to victory, like taking that backup quarterback who had looked awful, putting him in position after position after position to be successful and that, and then executing it, you know, and obviously like their talent level is on a different spectrum than ours, but I just, I cannot imagine this program right now ever doing anything like that. But I think we used to. I think we used to do it all the time. I don't think we need to to win some of these games. No, no. And and like I said, that's just the fan coming out of me being frustrated as a whole about the direction. But, yeah, I mean, you're right. We definitely don't have to. I think with the exception of OU, we don't have to play to the best of our – the very, very, very best of our capabilities to win. But do you and think we, we, we ever could? Help. We may need some help from, yeah. from them to play not that great if we're not going to play to the, you know, to the best. But because, uh, yeah, like like you said, I mean, that Oklahoma State game in 2019, even the effort um, from last year when we played UT, the effort when we lost to Baylor on the butt fumble. Yeah. Um, some of those games can, some of those performances can and, could occur, but uh, the the Kansas State game is going to be obviously pivotal and winning Saturday too. Because, but because um, that's 
six and two is going to be, it's just going to be really tough to, because there are paths to a, a close win this weekend and then kind of a fluke, a non feel good way of winning against Kansas state. Like maybe last year's West Virginia. Is there, some, is there really a non feel good win against Kansas state? I think so. Like I'm saying like uh, West Virginia, from last year versus. they just they just seem to have our number i'd take any win <laughs> but i get what you're saying yeah i think you're underestimating our our fans right now yeah <laughs> it, that i think there's a way that everyone will be not as mad but pretty close and and us being six and two yeah you know what do you what do you think the overall attitude the uh, the hatred of the program right now even sitting at four and two it's like i said what what do you think the impact of who we lost to has on that? You know, like, I guess if four and two look differently, I don't know. Like, like I said earlier, like if, if, if tech would have lost to Houston and West Virginia instead, and then you played pretty like, you know, beat TCU at home, you know, I, that's kind of what I'm getting to. Like, and, and Dickens on Raider Sports posted this, but like tech has a winning at home problem. Like not, it feels good to win, but it feels really good to win at home. And, and that just seems to be a struggle. And so I don't know, like what, it, yeah, what, like what if you win that home game against TCU by two touchdowns, even though you had lost to West Virginia the week before? You yeah, know? I think, I think perception is totally different. Yeah. <clears throat> we do have a problem winning at home. It's been going on for a while. Um, and, I think, yeah, like, yeah, we went uh, 10 games in a row from the 2012 time when, when we beat West Virginia in 2012 to the Oklahoma State game in 2019 we were talking about where we lost as a home underdog. And generally, the games you're talking about, the we're playing someone we really want to beat yeah. at home. We are generally a underdog of three and a half points or more. Yeah. So those are, you know, we lost 10 straight of them over a course of, six or seven seasons and um so yeah that's that that's kind of what you're talking about well yeah. wells, wells broke the streak and he he should have done it again last year against texas i mean that yeah. was about as close as you could get but, yeah yeah and i guess and i guess that's kind of the, the thing is like you win seven games this year which i still am skeptical of but i agree it's definitely possible I just even if you win seven, I I almost think it's gonna feel how we feel right now. Like we're sitting at four and two, feeling terrible. Like it's so easy to see us at seven and five, feeling the exact same way. You know, like it, that's not far fetched at all to me. And so, I and so I guess if that's the case, if if we feel exactly like we do now at seven and five, what does that mean? <laughs> that's a good question. <laughs> It mean it's that's a could be a whole different podcast. <laughs> we could have that discussion. We almost need to bring a psychologist <laughs> on here yeah. to explain that. Yeah, that's that's true. I guess, like I said, that's probably a December conversation. Let's get there first. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. It's just it's a weird spot to be in, and several people have put it on the board. Like it shouldn't be this hard to, to root for this team, you know. Like, but it is, and it. And it's, it's just, uh, it's, it's so easy from our point of view outside. I mean, we're not outsiders. We're in it like anybody else, but you know, we're not actually members of the program, but it's so easy to look at it and see and say like, 
why aren't we doing this, this, and this? Like, why can't we fix this, this, and this? And yet it's getting to the point, like, maybe those things can't be fixed. Can we, the one thing I'm starting to get annoyed with the three down linemen thing. Um, There, first off, correct me if I'm wrong, but there is a difference between when you say front and down linemen. Okay. Down yeah. linemen is defensive linemen in a state have, that have their hand in the dirt. Yeah. Front is how many guys you're, you're rushing generally. Yeah. Just okay. around the on or around the line of scrimmage. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right. So we have, people say we have a three man front and we have to change it. We very rarely have a three man front. Yeah. That's why we have three down linemen. Yeah. But that's... we have a four man front most of the time or more. Yeah. That's why a lot of times now, like, you, people in the football world refer to them as odd and even fronts because there's really, I mean, a three man, a five man front are basically the same, but it's like you said, who's in a stance. And it's just like, you know, and, and that's what it usually, it's usually five guys at the line of scrimmage. Usually not always, but a lot of the times in running situations, pass rush situations, there are five guys on the line of scrimmage. And, and I agree with Patterson. Like, we are not deep on the D-line. It makes sense to have fresh bodies in there and rotating. I just wish we would see some of that. I, I Like, I wish we would see some even fronts situationally, throw them out there occasionally and mix up. The, I mean, like, when I was coaching O-line, the hardest thing to do was, like, if, if a team would switch from an odd to an even front, like, randomly – that was really hard to deal with for the offensive line. I would we like to see our, us do some of those things. We did that his first year. Yeah. And that, that's, I think that's the frustrating part. It's like, why aren't we doing more of that? Just situational stuff. Just trying to, because you would think the guys that we, that are, that are playing have been here for a few years. Like you'd think we'd be other than the secondary, but you'd think they'd be able to do some of that stuff. Well, you it's know. not happening. You hear like just to even today that Wells used the word simplification you know, it seems like we're we're getting more, you know, we're doing less now than we, we planned on doing or were doing before the Texas game. Yeah. But, I it mean, almost, to me, it's just, it's, it's, there is nothing inherently wrong with having three defensive linemen. No. On the field. I mean, Iowa State, Baylor, they make a living out of it. You could say, like, they've got better dudes, but, you know. Now, there might be something when you have, five or six guys in the box and the other team is running for 400 yards on you. That's, that is a question that can, that's a fair question. Oh yeah. But that doesn't really have anything to do with how many guys have a hand in the dirt. No, I mean, I mean, when when we would run zone, you know, we would tell our quarterbacks to count and it didn't matter. We never looked at the front, you know, like if there were five guys in the box, we were running it and that could be three down linemen and two linebackers or four down linemen and a linebacker. Like it didn't matter. Like it's like you said, it's, it's, it's more of numbers in, in being gap sound, like the stuff that I put on Redditor sports, like why are, why, why is the C gap and the D gap on the offense's left side? Why are those just not accounted for? (laughs) Is that a scheme thing? Is that, uh, is that a player, like are players freelancing out there? Like, it's either way is bad, but it, it was just like TCU was like, it was just, they were surgical. They're like, they're not going to have this gap covered and they would run to it. And they were right. <laughs> you know, it was, it was very, I mean, it was a great game plan on their part, but it's also really worrying 
Like, why are, why are those things not taken care of on our end? Like, why are those open gaps and then, there? So on the, on the flip side of it, would you rather a team run for, for in terms of your feel good about the future, would you rather them run for 400 yards the way Arkansas did, where yeah. it was literally just blowing us up? Yeah. Or the way TCU did, where it's like, okay, we, we're just, we don't have a guy, something weird happened to where we've run ourselves out of this play. To, to me, I think it's an easier fix. What, we, what we're dealing with should be an easier fix than just, okay, we, you know, Rico is, needs to put on 20 pounds. Yeah. Uh, Colin Schooler needs to get much faster. Tony Bradford needs to put yeah. on 40 pounds. Um, I don't think, think that's our issue. No, yeah. I mean, I, I totally would rather see what we saw against TCU because that is fixable, you know, and it may not be fixable this season. It may require a coaching change, you know. I, I don't know. It, it may require a simplification, like Wells has talked about several times already this year, but because it's a lot easier to hire a new coach, I say that, than it is to flip a roster, you know. So at least no matter what happens the rest of the year, you know, if, if Wells turns it around fine, if he doesn't, and there's a new guy coming in, we at least know, well, we've got the guys to run a system, you know? So that's why I think it's better to see what we saw against TCU. Hopefully we can fix it this year. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. We wait, we wait too long for this, for it to be such a beat down. Uh, I did want to get into Kansas a little bit before we moved on. Um, They're terrible. See, it's weird. All timer bad. Okay, but they're it's just talent. Like their coach is good. Like they are an organized. Like like they're they are an organized. They look like an actual football team. I I didn't. I don't think that that was the case under Miles. Like Les Miles. Like I think that coach knows what he's doing. I think he's got a plan in place. I just think they're like you said all-time bad talent wise yeah i mean they, they've been worse than our defense Con- yeah. like measurably worse so it's hard to think about are you in the camp that we can't learn anything from this game i don't think so no like what if it's what if it goes bad like are you saying good or bad we can't learn anything? oh okay yeah no um yeah if it goes bad i think it, it further validates um, what we've seen last week. I, I don't think anything good can come from it. Okay. I mean, like if we went 55 to nothing, I, I don't think it makes us uh, it's, it's any more telling or I don't think it has any predictive value about the next week uh, or the yeah. week after that. But now, if we played badly, um, I think it would have some predictive value. If that yeah. makes sense. No, I, I, that's how I feel. And that, that, that also kind of sucks, you know, just, it's like, I want to know, I, I want some definitive answers on this thing. And you're like, unless you lose <laughs> or play terribly, you're not going to get any of those. Um, their their um, EPA allowed per pass attempt is dead last. In the yeah. country. Every time someone throws a pass, it's worth 0. 0.6 points. Yeah. Wow. Points. Their EPA per rush attempt is 121st out of 130. And so Sheesh. for, uh, comparison ours is 113th we're, <laughs> we're, we're 59th against the pass yeah wow um, um they are this is they are on third and fourth down they're the success rate that their defense is allowing is 130th 
now we're we're 126th yeah oh yeah there but the difference this is where you get into like if you know what a bell curve is yeah like you know we're 126 so we're three plate three places ahead of them which is not much but like the difference between theirs and ours is huge yeah that, that difference is enormous yeah um on the bell curve but that yeah their their defense is unbelievably bad and their offense is like right there too well that's what i've noticed when i've watched them is like they just don't have a quarterback like when they had Velton Gardner before he decided to transfer, like they could at least do some things in the in the offense, like get him the ball passing, running wise. But that quarterback, I mean, I guess the bad part for us is he can run a little bit. Um, but he here's another cannot sorry. throw. Here's another here's another example of the of the bell curve um, effect. Their points per drive allowed on defense is dead last. Uh, ours is 111th on this, what I'm looking at. Um, so we're pretty close, right? 20 places, but we're allowing 2.8 and theirs is 4.2. It's a huge, huge difference. <laughs> um, but yeah, they're, they're so bad. It wouldn't matter what we did um, in terms of a win, a blowout win that would yeah. make anyone feel, feel any better. Yeah. You know, we haven't even really touched on the offense and we talked about this before we hit record these games have been so ridiculous. You can't really learn anything from the TCU and Texas game because of the game being over in the second quarter. Um, you know, they, they did just enough. You, you put it well. They have not lost the game. They almost lost the SFA game. And so it's been – it's really hard to judge. You know, like it's weird to me that Columbia – hasn't scored a touchdown <laughs> since he's been the starter. You know, I've seen some clamoring for uh, Donovan Smith to take over. And I don't, I don't hate that idea because I, I don't think Columbia is necessarily the long, like he, he is an awesome, he's a, a great backup quarterback, but I don't think he's what is the future of the position at tech. So I just, I don't know. What are you, what are your thoughts offensively? Like, Yes, yeah, similar. I mean, I, it's um, what we our production has been really, really good. Yeah, I've, and I've liked what I've seen, just like yeah. schematically. Yeah, it far exceeds you know my expectations for what it would have been, and we're on pace for um, one of the best offenses on pace because we still play we play some of the best defenses coming up. Yeah, um, but f- for one of the best offenses we've seen in a long time, like maybe go back to the path in terms of just like per possession type um per play type efficiency but like you were saying i, I think we're inflate i think our numbers are inflated some by the texas and tcu games yeah when a game reaches a state where so early in the game especially where um we are almost mathematically eliminated that we could score on every possession for the remainder of the game and still lose uh it just it's much easier to run offense you yeah. know like in the second quarter of the texas game and in the second quarter of the tcu game um you know, their defense, I'm sure they're being told, their coordinator, like, as long as you don't give up a, a touchdown on the first, second, or third play of this drive, we can't lose. Yeah, you know? and, no big plays. So it, it just it just changes things. Uh, if those would have been close games, I'm not sure we would have had, you know, 550 yards against TCU or whatever the numbers were against Texas. Yeah, that's why I think it's important to just look at what, what, like, what they're doing schematically. Like, I like the way they're using the tight ends. I like the way they're using motion. I like the – what we're doing in the running game, the various formations. Like I like that kind of stuff, 
Um, but I'd also like to see it in a game that matters, <laughs> you know, so uh, it'll, it'll be interesting. And I, I guess that might be something, you know, we, we keep saying you can't really learn anything from Kansas, but if they, I guess this kind of goes back to if they don't play well, which we did say you could learn something from, but if, if they don't go out and show how bad the Kansas defense is, then maybe we do have a problem, but possibly. Yeah. yeah. It's like, like we've said, only, you can only learn from the bad this weekend, which is not a fun place to be in. Uh, and then you've got, to me, the least – well, I say the the least fun game of all on the schedule every year is Kansas State. But Kansas State and Iowa State are a pretty good uh, – in a pretty good battle for that title. Well, yeah. I mean, it won't be the least fun for – because we got the most winnable game this Saturday, and then the yeah. next most winnable game will be Kansas State. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just, no matter how you like slice it, talent wise, I think OU, Kansas. I mean, OU, Baylor, Oklahoma State, Iowa State are more talented than them. I think the odds makers are going to agree in terms of how close the game will be that it will be our best chance of winning. So yeah, it's might, it may not be fun, but it's it, it needs to be. <laughs> yeah yeah and uh, that's the thing I, it's i'm just so tired of every game being a referendum on the direction of the program you know i just i just want it i want, I want a trajectory i want to just let's get better let's get better let's see improvement i'm just ready for that so hopefully it happens we've got we've got a we've got quite a few quite a few games left to figure it out so well that was fun i guess you got anything else Nope. We got a basketball scrimmage, I think, this weekend. That's true. That, that should be a lot more fun than the other event going on in, in Kansas. But yeah, I guess both involving Kansas schools. So, yeah, maybe we'll get some some insight on how that goes because, that, that, like I said, that could be a lot more fun. Yeah. But, yeah, who knows? Maybe basketball season will come on this podcast a, a little sooner <laughs> than we all would have liked. Uh, but we'll get to it when it gets here so four and two that's right four and two uh, who said it was it level the most shallow four and two or the most what was the word well I, I honestly feel like last week I said and I hope I didn't like I think I may have caused this when I said I'm tired <laughs> of being the best four and eight team in the country oh yeah yeah and I and like of course I look now and like we are the worst four and two team in the country I mean pretty <laughs> sure at least power five wise yeah you know like, yeah okay so everybody, yeah. everybody blame Hunter. That's I'm sticking, that, I'm sticking with it though. You know, we win a couple <laughs> more games. Let's let's be the worst eight and four team in the country. Let's yeah, why not? Yeah, and we'll all blame you. So anyway, we'll get out of here. We will talk to you all next week.